0: Thank you for listening to this week's message from Go Church. We hope it encourages you today. For more information about Go Church, check us out online at letsgo.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. I want to ask you a question this morning, and I want you to be honest. How many of you know someone who is a worrier? They're a worrier. They worry They're worried about how much they worry. How many of you are sitting next to the person that you're thinking about is a worrier? (laughs) Now the worrier is even more worried. I'm worried I'm going to get singled out. And you are. Worry, worry, worry. Worry is a weird, big deal. And the opinions on worry differ a lot. So, for example, for those of us in the house that might be You know, folks, you don't really worry much. They're non-worriers. They're in here like, what's the big deal, man? Nothing to get worried about. I'm chill. It's all good. In fact, you should learn from my example. All the worriers are like, you're not worried because I plan all of the things for your entire life. You should just give me a hug and say thank you. So, in fact, why don't we just do that? Husbands, just turn and give your wife a little side hug. Just, a, just a, little, a little side hug. I see it. Yes, it's happening. And children, too. Students, if you're by the parent, give a little hug. Give a little side hug. We've got to love the planners in our life. Now in this series, Uncommon, I want to go through a couple of things that we have covered in the last five weeks. This has been a good challenging series. So we have talked about godly relationships. We've talked about conflict resolution. We've talked about godly sex. No, that was not a part of conflict resolution, but maybe it should have been. We've talked about godly dating. we talked about singleness. We said this, singleness is never second best. And I received a message last Sunday after I shared this message, and I wanted to share the text with you. This is what it says. Got this right, after church. It says, Pastor Nick, thank you for today's sermon towards singles. I have been online dating, and my friend said something to me on Monday that was almost identical to what you said today. She told me that she had been praying for me and felt that God wasn't ready to share me with anyone else yet. And he intended to show me some more grace before that step. I tend to be one that needs to hear something more than once for it to stick. So your sermon today really hit home for me. Thank you for sharing the message. And I am listening, Lord, for what you intend for me next. Isn't that good? Single, but never alone. Sometimes we don't talk a lot about that in church. So if you're here today and you know you're single, ready to mingle, you're single, don't need to mingle, whatever relationship status you are, you're not alone. God's got a great plan for you. God knows what's happening in your life. He's not surprised. He's got purpose for you, joy for you, hope for you, life for you. So wherever you're at in your relationship zone right now, I want you to feel you know a fresh breath of encouragement that God knows And God cares right where you are. And if it's on your mind, it is on God's heart. We talked about how God is number one. My spouse is number two. My kids are number three. And my pastor is number four. (laughs) Talked about that one. So today, I want us to bring this series to a powerful conclusion, talking about the relationships that are so important to all of our lives. I want you to think about the people in your life that you really care about, that you really love, the relationships that you want to see get stronger. Maybe you have even been married for a long, 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 long time, it can still get better and stronger and deeper and more fun. In fact, I have learned a lot about relationships from watching my parents Occasionally, when I was younger, listening to my parents, and in fact, my mom and dad, Mike and Kate Calloway, they have been married for 50 years. Isn't that cool? What's even more cool is they're actually visiting today. Mom, dad, could you stand up really quick? Come on, just stand up. Give them some fun, go church. Look, without you two, none of us might be here. I was like, in a sense. So I learned a lot from my mom and dad about relationships. I always remember them talking about marriage. They would compare it to a garden. They would talk about how a good relationship requires a lot of time and energy like a garden. I don't know if you've ever tried to grow things. Some of us have a hard time just keeping house plants alive. Think about a garden. A lot of time a lot of effort. You've got to plant the right things. You gotta pull all the weeds, you gotta to tend to it, make sure it has enough water, gotta keep all the insects away. And no, I don't mean children, I'm talking about insects, other things. And it takes a lot of time and effort. So I want us to acknowledge today that there is some truth in that, that the relationships that we care about most require a lot of time. Effort and energy, which brings me to something that I have been concerned about and a little afraid of this week, thinking about this message, thinking about us as a people, all of us. I think that we as a people are a little bit exhausted, tired, just a little worn out from running hard. Trying hard at all the things. And if our relationships take a lot of time and effort and energy, and if we're feeling exhausted, this is not a good zone to be in. So I want us to think about this today. Think about where you are on the exhausted scale Think about it as I read this quote. This is from Brant Hansen from a book called Unoffendable. We talked about this book a little bit months ago, and in fact, there's going to be a small group led by Clark and Ann Marie Schroeder who's using this book Unoffendable as their lesson and as their teaching. So, if you want to get more about this book, go to the small group, talk to them after church today. Brant Hansen writes this: "Quit trying to parent the whole world." I mean that right there ministers and challenges some of y'all you're like mm. but they're so wrong they need they need correction all the billions quit trying to parent the whole world quit offering advice when exactly zero people asked for it quit being shocked when people don't share your morality Quit serving as judge and jury in your own mind of that person who just cut you off in traffic. Quit thinking you need to discern what others' motives are. And quit rehearsing in your mind what that other person did to you. It's all so exhausting. How can we have our best to give to the people that matter most if we are exhausted, if we are just worried, 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 always trying to fix things that we were never created to fix. You know, it's not our job to heal people. That's God's job. It's our job to love them. It's not our job to save people spiritually. That's God's job. It's our job to love and serve them. It's not our job to convict people of sin or selfishness. That's the Holy Spirit's job. It's our job to love and to serve. And yes, there is room in the Bible for people who are trying to spur other believers on and other believers and brothers and sisters in Christ. If you see somebody in sin, you should try to gently restore them. Yes, but it's not our job to globally convict people of sin. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. Maybe we've been trying to do jobs that we were not created to do. I want us to be ruthless today when we're thinking about our time and our energy and our focus. If we're trying to parent the whole world and we end up losing our own kids, what does that mean? Could it be that we are so worried about our problems? Everybody say problems. Come on, everybody say problems. Problems. Could it be that we are so worried about our problems that we have forgotten our purpose? Could it be that we worry and worry and worry and worry and we are just plain old-fashioned exhausted? I believe that God has a better way. I believe it. I believe God has a plan. I believe God has a purpose. I believe that God can help us make the right move, but we need to get the right godly perspective on worry and our problems. We need to focus our energy on the things that God wants us to focus them on. And I want us to make traction with that today. Brings us to the one big thing. Take your communication card. If you're here for the very first time in Go Church, welcome. 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 What we do is we have one big thought, and we build on that thought. Write this down right across the top of your communication card. God is bigger than my problems, and he cares about me. God is bigger than my problems, and he cares about me. Let's say that last part together. On the count of three, let's all say, cares about me. One, two, three. Cares about me. Me. Now, just for fun, look to somebody else and say, God cares about you, too. He does. He cares about you, too. But not as much as he cares about me. But he does care about you. But he loves me more. (laughs) Everybody say problems. How many of you have ever had a problem? Problem. Yes, these are some of the things that unite us. Today, I want you to think about your biggest problems, your most annoying problems. I want you to think about your current problems. Could be a work thing, could be a family thing, relationship thing, kid thing. I want you to think about what are, if you had to pick one problem today and say, this is my current problem right here, right now, this is what it is. I want you to think about that problem today. And let's see what God has to say about problems and about worry. Last week, we talked about how Jesus said the most important thing, the most important commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Greatest commandment, right? I want to see if we can recognize that same theme in another teaching moment with Jesus. This is Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to read a good portion of scripture, and I want you to see if you can recognize this theme. Jesus is talking about, get ready for it, dun, 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 money, possessions, but also see what's mixed in with that. I find it interesting. Here Jesus goes, don't store up treasures here on earth. Where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, watch this, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. No one can serve two masters. Everyone say two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Do you see that transition right there? He's talking about money, things about money, and now he's pivoting. He's saying, that is why I tell you. So we got to track with these next things. Do not worry about the everyday life. He's connecting worry to what? Money and possessions. Isn't it interesting that in the teaching of money and possessions, now Jesus is talking about worry. I find that interesting. That is why I tell you, do not worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink, enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. Everybody say feeds them. He takes care of them. And aren't you more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work to make their clothing, yet Solomon and all of his glory was dressed beautifully. But not as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Everybody say care for you. Say, care for, you. care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat and what will we drink and what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Verse 33. So seek the kingdom of God above all else and live Righteously. And he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. But stop and think about what some of you guys are doing already. Some of you already about halfway through that scripture checked out. And you're like, well, that's easy for some people. But you don't know how big and scary and how massive my problems are. Pastor Nick, if you only knew how big and how scary my problems are, you would understand that my problems deserve worry. Look how huge they are. Look how scary they are. I'm just messing with my own daughter. How scary it is. (laughs) But we do this all the time. What we'll do is we'll hear somebody else complain about their problems or things going on in their life, and you're like, that ain't nothing. And then you try to compare yours out. Don't forget mine, and don't forget mine are harder than yours. When all the time we should know that problems and pain are individualized. There are some things that are common within struggle, but pain is unique. So who are we to say, well, that shouldn't hurt you, or that shouldn't bother you. Like we actually know where they've been and what they've experienced and how they're feeling. Like we're actually sitting inside of their genetics. We're not. Our problems are real. Our pain is real. But I'm telling you something right now. Sometimes we make them into something bigger than they really are. Something scarier than they really are. I set this thing up in our kitchen right before Sydney woke up for school. And I watched as she walked out and she goes, what are you? (laughs) (laughs) she walks up. She's like touching it. (laughs) Is this thing live? Is this for real? I want you to think about this. Think about this. There is a device inside of this decoration that is blowing air into this, right? It's inflating it. And today I submit to you for your consideration this, that worry is an inflator. That's what it does. It inflates the size of our problems. So today, I want us to make some progress. And here's what I want us to do. I want us to start unplugging the worry machine. And this thing's going to gradually shrink, and we'll gradually stop thinking about it. But something that I find interesting is that thing seems huge, right? It came in this. <laughs> I mean, that whole thing just came in this. And that's what worry does. It makes things bigger and scarier than they really are. And if we allow our problems and if we allow worry to inflate our problems to where they are bigger than the size of our God, we are shortchanging ourselves and shortchanging our God. I want to encourage you and remind you in this. That God is bigger than our problems. He's bigger than our problems. And if you will compare the size of your problems, even if they feel big and even if they feel scary, to the size of our almighty sovereign God, we can find joy. We can find hope. We can dance a little bit. We can sing. We can achieve victory. We can have the joy that God has intended us to have because he's bigger than our problems. Do you believe that, Go Church? If we do, can we make some noises? Say, yes, I believe that. Let your heart, let your body, let your hands, let your minds get loose and understand that God wants to do something in our hearts. He wants to help us today to unplug the worry machine and to get perspective. I am not making the case that we should be naive. Oh, just ignore your problems. Or those people that just say, well, just don't stress about it. I'll be like, well, just stop talking you don't understand. I want us to get perspective. So here's three ways, and we're going to move quick, so get ready to write. Three ways to unplug the worry machine. Three ways. Write this down, number one. Understanding that money leads to worry or to worship. Look at this scripture. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Money is going to lead to worry or to worship. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Here's the way that money works. Follow it. If you want to know what the priorities are in your life, here's all you need to do. Take your bank statement and print it. Start looking through that. You will discover the priorities of your life. I'm being so aligned with exactly what this is saying. It is not an overreach. It is not exaggerated. The Bible is saying, follow the money and you will find the treasure of your heart. Follow your money. You will find your priorities. So money is going to lead you somewhere. It's going to lead you either to worry or to worship. When it leads to worship, you start to find joy. Money isn't weird. It's a way that we express worship to God. We see how God works in that, how we're faithful and obedient. God blesses that. How you can start working through those things with your family and your kids and talking about it. Let's talk about what God has brought into our life. Look at the way you invest or spend money and you will discover what's important to you. You're like, Nick, that sounds hard. Yeah. But not as hard as living a life not knowing that, getting to the end and being like, oh, wow, I wish I would have been a change 30 years ago. It's going to lead to worry or worship. Number two, write this down. Being convinced that God cares about me. I think some of us live not being convinced that God cares. We acknowledge there is a God. We acknowledge he's big. We acknowledge that he sent his one and only son, but somehow we forget that he knows our name. He knows us. He knew what you were going to wear today. He knew the struggle you had in the closet today. You were like, I don't even know. I've been through six things. I don't even know what to do. That was actually me this morning. I was going to wear like these new checkered pants, and I tried them on. I was trying to tuck myself into it. I'm like, today's not the day. (laughs) (laughs) Becky goes... Look, whenever you're struggling about what to wear, just pick something that you know you feel comfortable in, and it'll be okay. I'm like, fine, black. (laughs) God cares about you. Look at these scriptures. God cares for you. Yes, he cares about creation. Yes, God, Jesus uses that to make a comparison. He cares about you. He thinks about you. He doesn't get bored. He doesn't get too busy. He doesn't find somebody that's more valuable than you than kick you to the curb because he's more interested in them. He knows you, cares about you, has a plan for your life. And when you live convinced of that, it changes how you feel. It enables you to unplug the worry machine because you know you have a father that sees all, knows all, and when worry wants to inflate that problem and it feels all-encompassing, you can say, you know what? I can unplug that worry machine because I know my father cares about me and he knows what I need even before I do. It changes your perspective. Third way, write this down. Third way to unplug the worry machine from the scary monster. Seeking the kingdom of God first talked about it last week. God is number one. You have one throne on your heart and life. God's got to be sitting on that throne. Not career, not aspirations, not hobby, not relationships, not manipulating people, not getting your way. God must sit on that throne or you turn into every other person who tries to fill that role and feel that Fill that God-sized hole in the soul with stuff, with bling-bling, with material stuff, with experiences, with vacations, with on and on and on and on and on. And they keep searching and searching and searching, trying to find that feeling, that elusive feeling they can never find, because it's only going to be filled by one thing, and that's their creator. When we don't figure that out, we just become people of means with no meaning. God's got a better way for us. So what can we do about it? What's some action we can take? I wanna give you something that I'm not overstating this. This is probably top five things that have changed my life. And if you will do this, if you would learn how to do this, it will change your life. It will change your perspective. And I don't say that very often. I'm not one of these guys who's like, everything is going to change your life. But this will. It has changed my life, and I want to give it to you. Our one big action for the day, write this down. I will convert my problems into prayer and my worry into worship. I'm telling you, if you can get this, it could save your relationship. It could save your life. This is Philippians chapter 4. Super hard truth to read. Don't worry about anything. What? It's actually in there. Look it up. In the New International Version, don't be anxious about anything. That seems impossible. Doesn't it? Without God, it is. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray About everything. Already we're starting to see our one big action take shape. I will convert my problems into prayer. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. That's prayer. If you're new to church, new to God, you've never done anything like this before in your life, what is prayer? It's just talking to God about stuff you need. God, help me. That's a great place to start. And then look and thank Him for all He has done. That's worship. So we're converting worry into worship. And then look what happens. Then you will experience God's peace. Then you will experience God's peace. This is a promise. This is not a maybe. This is not, well, on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, it happens. Every single time that you activate this scripture with sincerity of heart, you will begin to understand a peace that doesn't make sense to your mortal mind. Like, you would think, I shouldn't feel this peace. It's irrational. With all the stuff going on, I should not feel this. That is God's peace that transcends understanding, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. This verse has rocked my world over the last 20 years. So let's run this verse into our real life. Let's take a couple of real life scenarios. These are, this is a scenario that Becky and I have actually experienced. And if you are a parent or a young parent, maybe you have experienced this, okay? So scenario number one, everybody say one. Scenario number one. Your first time mom and dad, congrats. The baby is still in the belly. One day you have some pain doesn't feel right. doesn't feel good. You make an appointment, and then you wait for that appointment. And then you decide to see what Google has to say about it. Then you start worrying. Stuff starts to get inflated. You start to read and read and read, and then you start to worry and worry and worry, and it's like compounding. Now you're thinking about, is my baby going to be healthy? I'm worried about losing my baby. Am I going to be healthy? Is there going to be a deformity? I mean, look at these things that have happened. I think I'm having some of these symptoms. What if I lose the baby? What if everything comes crashing down? And you go down this spiral, like this doom loop that Google can sometimes spit into your face. After a certain amount of time, it's almost like Google saying, you're going to have a dinosaur for a baby. That's what could happen. Something crazy is going to happen. And then you go to the doctor. And the doctor says, everything's gonna be fine. This is what's going on, but everything's gonna be okay. And you're almost in disbelief. You're like, what, really? Really, I mean, I I thought this was gonna be massively bad. No, it's gonna be okay, you're gonna be fine. Okay, that's scenario number one, where your problems get inflated by worry. Scenario number two, You're a first-time mom and dad. Baby's still in the belly. One day you start having some pain, and it doesn't feel right. So you make an appointment, and then you wait. And instead of just turning automatically to Google, you start to do what you've learned in church, in the Word of God. You convert your problem into prayer. Immediately, you start praying. God, I want to ask that you would extend your healing hand to me touch my body, touch the baby. God, I just pray right now, I just stand on your promises that by your stripes, I am healed, that you promise healing, that you have a plan for me. God, I thank you that you have a plan for this baby. Then you start moving into worship, right? You started praying about this. Now I'm gonna convert my worry into worship. God, thank you that you have a plan. Thank you that you're gonna bless. Thank you that this is gonna work out okay. Thank you that this is gonna work together for the good. I thank you that you are a sovereign, almighty, amazing father, you go to the doctor, and they say, you know what? Everything's going to be fine. I knew it. Do you see how different that feels? Am I saying ignore it, don't go to the doctor? No. Am I saying ignore scientific advice, medical opinions? No. But it is a state of mind. You can take the same scenario and have the same reaction with that business news, that financial news, something your teenager says to you, you start to inflate it, starts to get huge, or convert it directly into prayer, worry directly into worship. It will change your life. So my challenge to you is to memorize Philippians 4, 6, and 7. God says, don't be anxious. (laughs) You want to know what my phone is saying? It's saying, You're an amazing preacher. No, it's saying, it looks like you've taken a hard fall. I smacked the podium. (laughs) I'm okay. I did not fall. Not yet. Hey, it works. Don't you ever wonder about that? Like, I wonder if it's actually going to work. Well, if you ever hit a podium, it'll work. I want you to memorize Philippians 4.6. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Why have I memorized this? It has changed my life. I have prayed this scripture so much over the last 20 years, it has been a life changer, a game changer for me to learn how to convert my problems into prayers and my worry into worship. Here's what God says Don't be anxious. All my planners and type A people in the house, listen up. He doesn't say, Don't be aware, don't be anxious. Jesus wouldn't ask us to do something that was impossible to do. It's doable. You can be aware, but not be anxious. You can be aware of what needs to happen in the future. You can plan for your family. You can plan for housing. You can plan in your career. You can put together strategic initiatives. You can work with your team. You can do all that forward-facing, into-the-future stuff without having anxiety about it. Be aware of it. Don't be anxious about it. If you start to feel anxiety and worry, building, convert problems to prayer, worry to worship. Today, I want you to know I am definitely not talking down to any of you. I mean, I never do that anyway, but I want to be clear today. I'm not doing that. This is something that Becky and I have worked on and through for a long time. I'm talking eye to eye, heart to heart, life to life. I'm always honest with you guys. Last week, I went to go see a counselor for the second time, and I told you about seeing him for the first time. Why? I think every great player needs a great coach. I don't see counseling, leadership coaching as a bad thing, I see it as a good investment. So every once in a while, I will go as kind of getting a checkup. I want to be a better leader. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better pastor. So I go in. I'm talking to Dr. Harv down in the Denver Tech Center. He's awesome. And he wants to know more about the big picture of my life and ministry and kids. And so I talk about 20... Two years of doing ministry full-time and start talking about my kids, we started talking about Sydney, and he wanted to know more about Sydney. And if you're here for the first time, my daughter Sydney's 19. She's the sweetest of the sweet people you will ever meet. She was born with a genetic abnormality. There's no name for it because there are so few people that have it. It is 2Q37 deletion syndrome, and there's about 100 people out of the seven billion people we have in the world right now that have something like that. So there's not enough cases to see what's probably going to happen in life. And so we got to talking a lot about that and how she's writing the book as she goes. He's listening, listening, listening. And he kind of pauses and he goes, I think that you are dealing with a lot of cumulative stress, not just this happened last week, but things build up over time And I want to challenge a lot of you to evaluate your own life like that. Maybe there's some unresolved things that generate stress and worry and weight, but it's year after 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 year. And if you can't figure out a healthy rhythm on how to deal with that, the weight can accumulate and then crush you, trip that circuit breaker. And then the things that you care about most, the relationships that you care about most, you can lose them. They can break apart. And what I want to challenge you to think about today is what problem in your life have you allowed worry to inflate and make bigger than it really is? What are the problems that you need to convert into prayer? What are the things that you're worried about right now in this second That you need to turn into worship. For example, if you're worried about work, as we get into worship today again, start giving God praise. Say, God, I want to thank you that you've put together a good team. I want to thank you that you put some smarts in this brain. You've helped me figure it out before. You're going to help me figure it out again. And when I do, I'm going to give you glory. I'm going to give you some credit. God, help me to be an amazing supernatural leader, not just limited by my own stuff, but enabled to do things that are beyond me. You start converting your worry into worship, and it will change your life. Let me ask you. Be honest with me today. How many of you are pretty good at snowboarding or skiing? If you're pretty good at it, let me see a hand. You're pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. Raise your hand. Other people are raising other people's hands. They're like, no, I'm too modest. No, I will not, you're pretty good. How many of you are pretty good at exercise, like running, endurance kind of exercise stuff? You can go for a while. Can I see a hand? You're pretty good at some kind of exercise, some kind of athletic stuff. Yes, yes. Maybe even some of the medical professionals here. How many of you are pretty good at medicine, making people feel good? Can I see a hand from my nurses, my doctors in the house, therapists, all that stuff. You're pretty good at it. Let me ask you this. How many of you were good on day one? Day one. How many of you were experts in your field day one? How many of you were shredding the gnar day one? You were face planting on day one, but what did you do? You were stupid enough to get up and try it again and again and again and again and again, and pretty soon you're buttering and flying and doing all the things, hitting the park, doing all the stuff because you did it again and again and again. I'm not asking you to be good at converting your problems into prayer. I'm not asking you to be good at converting your worry into worship. I am asking you to start. Start. You will not be good at it. It's okay. You won't be good at it the second time. The third time, it's going to be months down the road where you have a moment and you realize, wow, I didn't even consciously think I've got this problem going on. I should probably better pray about that. I just did it. But it'll happen if you start. What's the way to make sure it will never happen? Don't start. Ignore it. Take this communication card, put it in the thing, trash, forget about it, leave it in the seat. You'll stay just the way you are and it just get worse and worse and worse. God is giving you truth. Truth unapplied creates a callus on your heart and frustrations in your brain. Let's apply it. Let's pray. God, help us. We cannot do this on our own. We don't want to do it on our own. I am asking you, God, please help us to convert our problems into prayer. Help us to apply Philippians chapter 4 and to not be anxious about anything. God, help us to plan. Help us to be aware. Help us to be strategic leaders, but not be driven by worry, not be driven by anxiety, but God, to convert all of these things into worship, knowing that you care for us. You care for us. I want you to hear my voice today. Maybe this is the first time you've walked into church. Maybe you're streaming something like this for the very first time in your life. I want to talk with you for a second. The most important relationship you could have coming out of this time is a relationship with Jesus Christ. God loves you so much. We talked about God caring about you. How do you know? How do we know? God proved it. God proved it by sending his one and only son. To live the life that you and I could never live. To live a perfect life. Free from sin. And then he voluntarily laid down his perfect life. To pay all of the price of selfishness and sin that we have accrued in our own life. While we were at our worst, he was at his best. And he gave his life on the cross. They peeled his dead body down and put him into a tomb one day, two days. But on the third day, God raised him back to life. Jesus is alive. He has a plan for your life, and that is to know you. Do you know him? Do you know him? This is how the Bible says you can do it. If you will confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I want to give you an opportunity to pray that prayer with me right now. If you're ready to turn over ownership of your life, from yourself to him, to make Jesus the Lord and the leader of your life, pray this with me right now. Jesus, thank you for speaking to my heart. I ask that you would forgive me of every sin. I'm making you the Lord and the leader of my life. And I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. To stay in the know with Go Church, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at letsgo.church. You can also download our app from the App Store by searching Go Church. Have a great week and God bless.